This is Buffalo Ghost Light. I'm Layla. And I'm Zach. And today we are going to be talking about incorporating props into a script in a meaningful way. Um, So the reason we are bringing this up is because one of the things that uh, Green Buffalo Productions has been doing as a company uh, since uh, quarantine quarters uh, happened, which was in response to New York State going into lockdown, uh, was creating the said quarantine quarters, which was a way for us to still be creative while not being able to be near each other. Um, And the whole idea behind quarantine quarters was to give writers um, three different props that they had to use in their script. Uh, They had lines that were given. They only had to use one, but most writers would incorporate all three of the lines and three possible sets that they could use. And uh, over time, we've been doing many quarantine quarters. I think we're over 25 now. And we've just noticed um, different, uh, not potholes, but different like things that people do with props that are given to them and how they incorporate them into scripts. So we just thought it would be really uh, a good idea to just chat about how to use props um, that are given to you in a meaningful way. And yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to just kick it off, but like I remember the first quarantine quarters that we did had a very unique set of props and and especially with the location that we were given. It, it I, I'm trying to pull up my script right now just so I could have a reminder of what it was. Mm-hmm. But did you actually write up for that quarantine quarters, that first one? I think I did. I don't remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. I wrote for the first couple of ones because it was like, I might as well do it. Um, yes, I definitely right. I definitely did write for it. <laughs> um, it just took me a second to remember. Um, but... So the way we've been working it is that Maddie, Ellen, and I, so Maddie and Ellen founded Green Buffalo, and then I was the only other board member at the time before Zach joined. So um, it would be the three of us that would pick the prompts. And so every time we would do it, each of us would pick a line, we would pick a prop, and then we would pick a set. Um, For the first quarantine quarters, it was a little bit different because we were still figuring out what our format was. And the props were, um, yes. It was a Bible, a Mm -hmm. can of Spam, and I can't think of what the third one was. It was actually four items. It It was an airtight seal or something like that. And vinyl. So it was actually four props that needed to be used in the script. I don't think I used that last one. <laughs> Wait, maybe I did. I don't remember. I'm looking because I listed on my on my script. It was like I listed the characters and the the setting, and I didn't list the props that we needed for some reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep, I did use I did use vinyl because I ended up using a record. Yeah, mine was set in a record shop, so it was like automatically I knew. Okay, well this is. It helped me with my set, so it was like, okay, perfect. So this one of the sets that was given was, I believe that it needed to be in a mall. I was like, oh, like one of the malls that uh, is in the Buffalo area has like 
a bunch of vinyl records there. It's not dedicated. It's not a dedicated record store, but it has records in it. I was like, what if I like modified that slightly? And this is kind of a seedier mall. That would be a really cool setting for a short scene. So that's how I use that prop. And the way I made it meaningful was that it was a major part of one of the character's interests. So that to me, I think is one of the good ways of if you're being given a prop and you need to use it, find a way that the prop has meaning for a character. I find that to be one, it makes it more interesting for yourself as a writer, but two, it, it gives the prop a purpose. It's not just, Oh, it's there. And then I throw it away. Like it, continues to be used within the story and it gives value to why it is there in the first place right and then i think i kind of went into what i was curious about was your process with writing with the props did you have the prop in mind first and come up with the use of it or did you write a character and then kind of apply traits to the prop into the story that's because i know you said that one character you know with the vinyl Mm -hmm you had that character already in mind. But what about the other ones? Like, how did you include, like, the cans of Spam in the Bible? That's a great question. Um, So the can of Spam, I actually made one of the characters eat it, and they were eating it with another thing to make it really gross. So I was like, oh, well, maybe this character is just really weird. And I kept talking, like, I was going over it in different drafts, and I was like, yeah, I'll just make the character eat Spam with, like, I think it was donuts or something just something where it was like these things should not go together and it made it so that the characters and the other characters commented on it it made it so that it became part of this third character so that it wasn't like oh there's just spam and he's eating it and then it's done with like it it kind of gave a little bit more dimension to the character so that if an actor were to look at it and they were like what kind of person would eat just a straight up can of spam with some donuts this character would and so that's how I kind of thought about it I was like okay that's a really great way of using the prop but also giving depth to a character for the airtight seal that was pretty easy because I just combined it with a vinyl record when vinyl records are first uh open they have like a plastic um outside um that is airtight um most of the time it's an airtight seal so that it keeps everything together so it's like okay that gets the airtight seal in there the bible was honestly the hardest one for me um prop wise because i was like how would a bible come up in this thinking on it now i probably could have had like a bible salesman come in but that would have been a little bit too i don't think it would have fit into the mood of the scene um so what i to be very honest what i did was i asked my partner i was like hey um is there in any way shape or form an item that is music related that looked like a Bible or that referenced a Bible. And he was like, Oh yeah, there was this really famous, uh, Marilyn Manson. I think it was a VCR tape that came in a box that looked like a Bible. I was like, perfect. So then that added to the character that owned the record store. It was like, Oh, they tried to buy this Bible off of eBay And then another character in the scene was like, oh, I really wanted that. And it made those characters a little bit closer. It gave them a shared interest and something that they could both talk about. So that was another way that I I wanted to use the prop in a way that 
gave depth to the characters and also so that it wouldn't just be thrown away. It would be something that if it was a longer play could be referenced back to and brought back and have value to the the characters within it. See, that's what's interesting, too, is because when I wrote that quarantine quarter, I kind of went the other direction where it was like, I, I remember it was very, because I wrote that one with Arash. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh my gosh, I remember that very, play. <laughs> yeah, it was very meta, and we were like, we, we, were, we were sitting there trying to write for like two or three hours, and we had this whole <laughs> idea, I, and, and I wanted it to be like a story about like a trickster, like supernatural character and then it just wasn't coming together so then we just started going in the chat on google and just writing things back and forth at each other and i was like hey let's take this and let's just start the script right here oh so then we yeah so then it ended up just becoming very meta for the sake of being meta and part of the reason i wanted the trickster characters because i wanted to include kind of like this not I, I didn't want it to start meta, but I wanted there to be like this story within a story and kind of like a a character that kind of knows more about what's going on than the two characters. But then it just turned into the story where two people are trying to write a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it was in that we, we took the location, which our location was like an old library, yep. put the two characters in there, and it was essentially a play we, we didn't even say it at the time i think it was a play set in our chat log essentially where it was just two people throwing out ideas and nothing's working and then with the um with the props as far as using the bible we included one of the characters finding a script Mm-hmm. And no noticing you know it's at a library so there would probably be a bible somewhere there mm-hmm you know, that was the easiest one to include where there was meaning to it, where it was our characters first discovering that it, it, you know, I actually kind of included it in like a term of like creation and like, how do we exist Mm -hmm. kind of characters discovering that I didn't even mean to do that. Um, But I guess that would be the meaningful way I included the Bible, the cans of spam I wanted to use as like, spam that would be in the comments or like online in some way but it ended up never coming to fruition (laughs) but i was like what a like that would be something nonsensical that would happen like within your own head yeah i assume where you just like you know you have those dreams where it's like you open up a door and it's a mattress factory for some reason yeah that's kind of what i was trying to get to where these props, they all had meaning in the script, but at the same time, they were they were just kind of nonsensical. So I guess that's another way you could even include that, where your props, even though it seems like they don't have meaning, can end up. Like, one of the things was, as our characters are, like, essentially waiting to die, one of them pulls out the airtight ba- bag and it had goldfish in it, because I was like, I would probably, if I was just in a dream have goldfish in my pocket <laughs> i'd will that into into that scene <laughs> you're like if i was in a dream and i was hungry it would be goldfish that's what i would want it would be goldfish <laughs> <laughs> i was probably eating goldfish when i wrote it right. that was <laughs> that might have been the reason but i was also thinking like 
airtight seal. What what is that? What does it mean? <laughs> I know, and that I think that was also the thing for us is that as we've done more quarantine quarters is finding the balance between giving challenging props so that it really forces the writer to really think about, okay, how do I put this into the scene? How do I make it interesting and dynamic? But not making it so hard to the point where it's like, I'll just throw it, put it in, and then it'll be thrown away immediately. Like, it'll be in a line, and then we just never reference it again. I think that's the thing that's to me, as someone who reads a lot of the scripts, but also as a writer, I get very frustrated when things get incorporated in very last minute and then they're just never brought in again. And right. it's it's the MacGuffin idea. Like, I, it really drives me crazy when it's like this thing that no one has ever referenced or this thing that we, you need to use it, but you have no idea how, so you just throw it in and then immediately forget about it. And I know that as a writer, exactly. as a writer, I've definitely been guilty of that. But when I go back and read it and edit, it drives me nuts when I do that to myself. Because I'm like, I could have put this in a way that adds depth to the character or adds another layer to the scene but instead I did what in my mind is kind of a lazy thing to do which is just throw it in there because it needs to get used and then never reference it again exactly and that that's kind of what I was I was watching a couple movies over the weekend and I I call it like the 80s cliche like introduce something in your first act that comes back to save the rest of the characters in the climax but it's never talked about for the rest of the movie it's very exactly it's like vaguely introduced in the first act no one talks about it for the second act and then finally at the very end it's like haha the thing it will save us and you're like okay I don't know (laughs) like what what's the purpose of this where did it come from why is it even there like that's that's stuff that does personally drive me nuts (laughs) exactly and that's kind of like why i think it's kind of fun to include like not to you know break a writing rule but to include that just to kind of like throw somebody off i guess Mm -hmm. where it's like you kind of want as a writer you kind of want to have fun in that way but you also don't want to annoy people yeah where it's like let's include a scene in the beginning where our characters go to mcdonald's for no reason it's 10 minutes of the movie and then we kind of set some things up like it could come back and then just don't let it happen mm-hmm. yeah it's just i don't know why that was the one that came to my mind <laughs> that doesn't happen in any movie that i'm aware of <laughs> maybe that's the beginning of your 80s movie I guess so. (laughs) It's just, it's very interesting because I think that sometimes the props can put an image in your mind. And that's happened to me sometimes where it's like just getting a prompt. I'm like, oh, I know I could do something just based on that. And that happens to me too with locations. Like sometimes when you're given prompts and there's a location in it, just the idea of the location is like, okay. I have an exact idea of what I can do with this scene. And it it should be the same thing with a prop, where you look at it and you're like, okay, I kind of have an idea of how I can use it or how I could give it to a character, and that adds value to them. That gives a a level to them. And I I think that for props, um, they should get used. You should have them in a way that that makes it interesting and adds something to the scene, because if not, then it's just set. 
Exactly. And I was I was just thinking the same thing, because like I dictate whether or not I write for a quarantine quarter that week on whether or not I can incorporate the props in a good way. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times I'll like look at them and I'll be like, can do I have any ideas for that? What I could do with that? Most of the time I don't. But, you know, I, I always give it like an hour or two, let myself think about it. And one of the times I really really wanted to do something was when I saw, I think Mad Libs was on yep. the list or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, all right, I want to write like a, like a neo-noir detective story where two characters are trying to solve a Mad Lib in order to get to the bottom of a case. That's the whole story. That's the center of it. I remember that play. That was so funny. And I think you wrote that one with Arash as well. Yep, that that was also with Arash, and he will discredit himself and say he didn't write it, but he did. He was there all the time. <laughs> What's so funny is that that's, that week, we had probably the most scripts that were like, wow, these are really good scripts, and we want to read them. Whereas previously, we had only had like a couple... It was only our second quarantine quarter, but the previous week, we'd only had a few. And we've had weeks where we've had, you know, only four plays get submitted and we've had weeks where we've had up to 20 like it really depends for some reason that week like really got to people and we had a lot of plays that we had to read and it was to the point where it was like we need we need to be able to read more than just the four that we had decided on we need to read double that so that's what we did we read eight plays in total um, I think it was over two days. Um, we did two nights of quarantine quarters. And it was just it was just because it was very clear how good they were and how well they were written. And for some reason, it was just those props gave an immediate image in people's minds where they were like, I know what I can do with that. And sometimes that's the lines themselves. Like sometimes the lines will really get people very excited. Like one of my favorite lines I've ever provided was I've taken psychic damage. And what's so funny about that when I provided it was I literally said that to my partner earlier that day because we were joking about like, I think he showed me a photo, something on Instagram. I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, I need bleach. Like, I feel like I've taken psychic damage from looking at that. And then I stopped. I was going to ask if that was a betrayal at House on the Hill. Uh. <laughs> no, it, it was legitimately like I, I said it when we were just chatting. I was like, whoa, that's a really good line. So when we were trying to figure out what lines we were going to use for our quarantine quarter, I was like, trust me guys i've got a prompt for you like it's gonna be amazing <laughs> and yeah that that definitely you know not to detract too much from like talking about props but like that line especially like that really it, like just hearing that i'm inspired to write something around it right now mm -hmm. just because you have so many different ideas like it doesn't have to be taken literally but at the same time it can be taken very literally like two psychics fighting mm -hmm. and one of them just says i've taken psychic damage yes exactly like there's there's something so fun about it there it it immediately puts in your head an image it's a line where like you hear it and you're like okay either i know the character that would say that or i know the setting this would be set in and so it gives you a jumping off point that's very exciting and i i think that for me as as someone who tries to create exciting prompts so that we have writers who really 
want to write for us, but also as someone who is a writer and is a playwright and wants to write things that are interesting to me, those are always the things I look for is if I'm having a hard time starting a short play or if I'm giving given prompts and then I have to work off of it, what is exciting to me? Like what in the prompt makes me want to write something? If it's not exciting to me, I'm not going to write it. Like there's nothing that leads right. me to create something. Exactly. And do you have like a, in the back of your mind, I, I, I don't know if you had this, like going into writing this, do you have a favorite prop in like some form of media that you always kind of like think of when you're writing something? I have something if you don't, but uh... <laughs> I need to think about it. So give I would you tell me what yours is, so I kind of have an idea of what you're you're talking about. So one of my favorite props is actually the lack of a prop or lack of a wardrobe aspect. Actually, it's Die Hard like. Early on in the movie, first scene in the movie, John McClane is told the to shoes. take off his shoes as soon as he gets off the airplane. And that comes back throughout the entire movie. Like, that's the perfect inclusion of, like, you know, just if he had the shoes the entire time, that movie would have probably gone completely different. Just that one small thing. Yes. That's actually... Thinking about that movie... And I think I said this to my partner because we watch Die Hard. We always watch Die Hard around Christmas. It's like, we have to. It's a Christmas movie. I don't care what people say. Um, It is. (laughs) Exactly. So we watched Die Hard. And I remembered watching that movie. And the whole, because I've seen it enough times where I can like look at it in a way that's more critical instead of just enjoying it for the first time. And watching it, Mm -hmm. I was like, this is a movie that really showcases how to use props well because there's the shoes the way that he takes them off and then how he would need them for the whole movie the watch that gets used during the movie and that gets brought up a couple of times um there's the um Oh, there was an, the walkie-talkies and the bag that he gets from one of the mm-hmm. uh, bad guys earlier. And the, like, there's a lot of times where, if you stop and think about it, every time they introduce a prop, it gets used in a viable way, in a way that furthers the storyline and gives you a better idea of the character and how they exactly. get through these circumstances. Like, the shoes, you are absolutely right. The shoes is a perfect example of a well-used lack of prop actually but it it kind of when you think about it it kind of is a prop because the fact that he doesn't have shoes during the whole movie inhibits him in so many ways and slows him down he keeps trying to find different shoes and no one has his right size like it keeps getting brought up for comedic effect but also practical he gets his feet cut up and he has he has injuries for the rest of the movie that he has to deal with because of what happened at the very beginning of the movie. So yeah, that's a perfect example. I'm trying to think of something for myself. Um, I think I'm always going to have a soft spot for it is because it was originally a play. Um, It's called Noises Off. It's one of my favorite plays slash movies of all time it's so great and very funny it's long it's like it it's basically a play um and one of the things that's constantly used throughout the mo- the play is this um 
this plate of sardines that is a literal prop in it's a play within a play that's the whole idea of it and so it is a literal mm. prop but um there's these plates of sardines that get used throughout the play and um when in the first act it's a dress rehearsal so they're still working things out sometimes they forget items but it constantly gets referenced to throughout the rest of the play so in the second act there's this plate of sardines that is supposed to be on the um the like table but because and you know that because of the first act but in the second act it's disappeared and so oh my gosh what do i do it's that thing that you have naturally in theater where you're like i don't know what to do there's something missing on stage and my line directly refers to that and that's a perfect example of how the prop is important you're referencing it literally within the lines and it affects the rest of the story if it's not there and so it's really funny when he's like the plate of sardines they're here no they're not they're gone what do i do <laughs> so it's so funny because it seems very banal and very uh, like you would it's just a throwaway line but the movie shows how important that prop is because it constantly gets referenced and it affects the other characters Back- but also how do you cover and double for a plate of sardines that's exactly. a very specific it's so prop <laughs> funny because it's like it's there it's you would see it as an audience member you would see a plate if it was there and it's not there and it also is important because later in this i think it's in the second act um the characters are fighting with each other backstage and one of the characters is chasing after another one and they drop a bunch of sardines on the floor and one of the characters slips on them and gets injured and so then they have to scramble and figure out how do they continue the play with an actor who who is concussed essentially <laughs> how do they move the, the story forward while an audience is still out there so it's just that to me is another great use of a prop where when it's first introduced it seems very like okay it's part of the play within a play but then it gets used in a very uh, practical way that adds comedy but also gives again depth to the characters um, by being used in the scenes. Exactly. It's very... I've actually never seen that before, and I added it to my watch list Like while, while I was listening to you, you talk about it. You need... If, if <laughs> anyone has never watched Noises Off, and you want to understand what it's like to work in professional theater or in semi-professional theater, you need to watch Noises Off. It is a three-act play within a play that describes what it is like to work in theater in the most accurate way I've seen portrayed in film. It is so good. And if I ever got famous enough that I could just direct whatever I want, I would want to direct Noises Off at some point in my career. <laughs> that Yeah, that I, I was looking at the cast, too. I was like, I'm amazed I haven't seen this before. This has so many people I like in it. What it's is- a fabulous cast. It's very slapstick comedy but it was originally an english play so there's a lot of like word puns and play play on words that's in it but it is Mm -hmm. a very physical piece like you watch and you're like wow people are constantly running in this show like they're always moving (laughs) right and that's another great great way to segue is like the physicality of a prop too like 
I, I don't know if anybody else has been to a bad improv show, mm-hmm. but so often where everybody seems to fail in an improv show is where a prop is mentioned. Yes. I see it happen constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, especially like, I, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a production where you've had to substitute in a different prop or... You know, yep. something similar to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, I and have. And it's just, it's never the same because it was written with that specific intention. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, why are we substituting a crowbar for a shovel? I mean, that's a separate issue. We substituted a crowbar for a shovel because it was just a basic, like, weapon that somebody was using. Uh-huh. But then later on in, in, the, in the dialogue, somebody mentions digging something. And it's like, how do you do that with a crowbar? (laughs) It's one of those things where it was like, if we had the shovel that day, it would have resolved everything. But at the same time, it's it allowed us to get creative with it. It allowed us to introduce like new comedy to it, Mm -hmm. essentially. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) I just love that visual of someone trying to dig something with a crowbar. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what we ended up using, because I was like, Luckily, this isn't a serious drama. Otherwise, this would not work at all. (laughs) Yeah, we've had... There have been so many stories I've had of, like, props that have gone wrong or people messing with other people's props and then things went wrong, Um, which is... This is neither the time nor place. That'll be another uh, episode, but... um, I, I think people take for granted how important a prop can be in a scene because the prop will either move a storyline forward it'll give you a better understanding of the character or it'll add a layer of depth to the scene because it gives something to interact with it gives something for the actors to talk about or to interact with in a way that gets them either closer or shows their differences so for the first one it can move the plot line forward that's the most basic thing for a prop if it's like this is the macguffin we need it to escape this labyrinth okay perfect that's a way to use a prop it's it is one way to use a prop it's not my favorite um but it's there um and then there's the second way with a prop that has meaning for a character so whether it's like like the watch in Pulp Fiction, like that has meaning. There's, it gets referenced to, it's in scenes, it's used multiple times and it has value for characters. That's a prop where it's like, okay, this gives you a better understanding of this character because of this prop. Like it, it gives you more of an understanding of who this person is. And then the second thing, the third thing I mentioned is a prop that gives depth to the relationships. So say there's like, um, a photograph of two people. Or, exactly. You know, an engagement ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives you a better understanding and it gives a conversation, if that's what's being referenced to in the scene, it gives something that the two characters can talk about. It gives them something where you learn more about the two characters, but also where the conversation is going and where it might lead the scene. So for anyone who's writing and they're stuck with a prop and they're like, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to the scene or think about how could it give more value to the characters or to the story? Because if you're being given a prompt, a prop for a reason, how do you give it value to the scene? 
Exactly. Like, I, and I can close us off, I guess, with um, I could think of an example where a prop didn't really fill, fit its needs, and that's when we were doing the 48-hour film project. Mm-hmm. But then again, we had like we were doing a period piece, and we had to introduce headphones at some point. Mm-hmm. So it was like we had to look for the right headphones. We had to have a non sequitur where we we time jumped just so we could have them in the scene, and it didn't. It, you know, we didn't utilize that prop fully like we should have. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's one of those situations where you know you work with what you have. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just kind of have to work with what you have. But if if you do have the opportunity to add depth and flavor to the scene, you might as well go for it if you have the time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 48 hours isn't a great place to be like thinking about how meaningful headphones could be in your story. <laughs> it's just, just use it in any way, shape, or form that we can. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, this episode has been really fun talking about props. I, I Anything that involves the theater, I'm always game and happy to talk about it. Um, so if you are enjoying this podcast, please leave, a, leave us a comment or a review. We definitely appreciate that. And uh, Zach, do you want to talk about Patreon? Yeah, if you want to uh, support some local theater and keep getting this podcast and listen to some more of us uh i guess talking about bruce willis props because you brought up the (laughs) the watch and pulp fiction i didn't even think about that uh you can uh you can become a patron at the green buffalo patreon and uh we support you know just give us much as much as you can if not you know the amount of money that falls out of your pocket when you're walking down the street if you just gave us that We'd be cool. Yeah. Well, you can keep listening to us. <laughs> you passed the test. <laughs> well, thank Next you. week, I'm going to start threatening. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank Everlasting Enlightenment for our intro and outro music. You can find them on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.